0: Take your Bibles, please, and turn them with me to 2 Samuel, chapter number 11. Tonight, I want to speak to you on the subject of how to fall into temptation. When I was in the 10th grade, I'll never forget it, I came into school uh, that Monday morning and um, went through all my classes, and then at the end of the day, I had football practice. And so we were walking into the locker room, getting starting to get ready for... Uh, for football practice out on the football field. And my coach came through the door, and he said, boys, just put your stuff down, put it there in your locker, and uh, come come with me out into the gym. He said, I've got some a few things I need to talk with you about um, before we practice today. And so we all followed him into the gym, and we uh, went into the uh, where the bleachers were and sat down, and he, for about the next 40 minutes, gave us a speech on 10 ways to become a juvenile delinquent. Um, obviously something had went on, and what had happened was uh, a lot of the guys on the football team, uh, present company excluded this time, had got into uh, a lot of trouble the weekend prior to that Monday, and so uh, just doing things that boys do, and um, nothing real bad, but they got in some pretty serious trouble, and so he decided it was time to set everybody down and tell us um, how stupid we were acting, and we were acting in some very stupid ways, in a lot of ways, but. Um, he set us down and gave us 10 ways to become a juvenile delinquent. I'm going to tell you something, that's been over 20 years ago, been a long time ago, but I can still remember that speech today. a matter of fact, I took notes um, on what he said there that day, and I've still got them somewhere at the house. So that really spoke to my heart, and I found something out that day, that you can find how not to do something by finding how to do something. And so tonight what I want to do is use that same reverse psychology, And I want to share with you how to fall into temptation so that we might guard ourselves from falling into temptation. And I want to use the life of King David. And King David in 2 Samuel chapter number 11, we find a a story where he fell to temptation. And I want you to know something. Each and every one of us are susceptible to temptation because we still have this sinful, fleshly nature. And so... In 2 Samuel chapter number 11, we're going to read there in just a moment through about verse number uh, 15 or 16. Uh, But before we do that, let's let's get up to speed on where we are in the life of King David when we find him right here in 2 Samuel chapter number 11. When we first see David on the pages of Scripture, uh, we see him in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14. And God speaks of David in saying, that he is the man after God's own heart. Now I want you to think about that just a moment. What a compliment that is coming from the omniscient God of the universe. The God who knows all things about all people. He knows our good points and our bad points. He knows uh, what we have done, what we want to do, what we haven't done. He knows all about us, good and bad. But when he looked at the heart of King David, he said, that's a man after mine own heart. Folks, that's a pretty big compliment coming from the God who knows all things. And so that's where we first see David in 1 Kings chapter 13 and verse number 4. And then we see David anointed as king of Israel in 1 Samuel chapter 16. We see David killing Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. We see uh, God tells David in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 16 that his kingdom will endure forever. And we know that to be true because the Bible says that Jesus was born of the house and the lineage of David. So the eternal king, the king of kings, the God of all glory, Jesus himself came uh, to be a human in this world, God incarnate in the flesh through the lineage of King David. And so his kingdom will remain forever. King King David was a brave man. He was a man's man. He was a warrior king. He was a poet. Uh, King David was uh, was a very compassionate man. Uh, You remember a few weeks ago we talked about how that when uh, Mephibosheth was uh, in Lodabar, that David called uh, the people to bring Mephibosheth from Lodabar, the place with no pasture, uh, and he brought him to the king's palace. And Mephibosheth, uh, the son of Jonathan, was raised as one of the sons of David, one of the sons of, uh, of the king. And so we see the gracious, compassionate heart of David. I-, I love King David. As a matter of fact, he's probably my favorite Bible character. King David would worship with you. He would pray for you. He would pray with you. But let me tell you something else about King David. King David had also get in the gravel with you if you wanted to. He was, a, he was a fighter, he, he, he was a, a, a warrior king, he was a, a winner of many battles. He killed the lion, he killed the bear, he killed Goliath. He won many, many, many victories against the Philistines. He brought the Ark of the Covenant uh, back uh, to Jerusalem, and that was a very big thing. We see that in the first part of 2 Samuel. So all of these great things that, that King David did, uh, man, he was truly a man. After God's own heart. So how did he go from being all that to what we're going to find here in 2 Samuel chapter number 11? Before we finish tonight, we're going to see that King David became an adulterer. He lied about having committed adultery. He covered up the lying and the adultery by committing murder. And then for the next year, he kept everything hidden. It's amazing how far he fell. How did he get from being the man after God's own heart to becoming an adulterer, a murderer, a liar, and covering it all up? Well, I'll tell you how it happened. Because he fell into temptation. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. It's possible for all of us to fall into temptation. If King David can fall, the man after God's own heart, we certainly can as well. So let's look at three ways we can fall into temptation, or we will fall into temptation. First of all, we'll fall into temptation when we fail to realize the danger of distraction. Let's look there in First Second Samuel chapter 11 and the first two verses. The Bible says that it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed, walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. So right here we see that when the kings went off to battle, when it came time for the army to fight, The warrior king, King David himself, he stayed at home and sent his general Joab um, to lead the army into battle. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. David forgot about his purpose. David lost focus of what God had called him to be. And the same thing happens to us. When we lose our focus and we commit the sin of idleness, we are susceptible to falling to temptation just like King David. David was sitting there doing nothing when he should have been out fighting the battle. David was sitting idle, and my, like my grandmother always says, an idle mind is the devil's playground. Have you ever heard that? There's a lot of truth to it. You need to be busy, and you need to be busy as a child of God in being and doing what God has saved you to be and to do. And so for the believer, we are to continue in the work that God has saved us to work in. How do you know God didn't save you just to sit on a church pew? And I want to tell you something, folks. I'm glad that you're here tonight. I'm thankful that you've uh, made the decision and you're faithful to coming out to hearing the word of God, to worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, That's an amazing thing. And I'm glad you're here. But God has saved us for much more than just coming to this place. God has saved us... uh, to be working, fulfilling the purpose He has saved us to fulfill. Now, for the child of God, we fulfill the work God has saved us to in two fields. First of all, we fulfill the work of God in the field of harvest. Do you remember what Jesus said to His disciples over in the book of Matthew? Jesus said that the harvest truly is plenteous. The fields are ready for harvest. And he asked his disciples to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the field. Now listen to me, children of God. When you got saved, you became a laborer in the field of harvest for the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? And it's up to us as believers to go out into this lost world, into the fields that are plenteous for harvest, and we are to do everything we can to bring as many men, women, boys, and girls unto the Lord Jesus. We are to be working in the harvest field. But how many of you know, not only, folks, do we work in the harvest field, but the Bible also says, as a child of God, we are to work on the battlefield. We are to be in the battle. Take your Bibles, keep your place there in 2 Samuel chapter number 11. And let's look over in the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And let's look down at verse number 3. Watch how the Bible says this. The Apostle Paul, speaking to whom he calls his son in the faith, Timothy, he says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now where does the soldier belong? Well, the soldier belongs on the battlefield. We are called as believers, as sons and daughters of Almighty God who have been enlisted in His army to be good soldiers in the fight on the battlefield. In verse 4 it says, if we're going to war a good warfare, we can't entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life. That we might be pleasing unto Him who hath chosen us to be a soldier. So as good soldiers, we are to be on the battlefield in the fight. And I'm going to tell you something, child of God. If you are not in the field of harvest, you need to be in the battlefield. And if you're not in the battlefield, you need to be in the field of harvest, bringing as many men, women, boys, and girls under the faith as possible. Preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ across the street and around the world. Preaching the gospel of the Lord in uh, the church house, but also uh, in the schoolhouse and at your house. Preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to me, in the classroom or in the break room. Preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and God gives opportunity uh, and he opens doors. And so we are to be at work in the field of harvest. We are to be at work uh, in the fight on the battlefield. We should not sit idle and lose our focus. David committed the sin of omission. It wasn't what he was doing at the time when he fell. It's what he wasn't doing. How do of you know if he would have been on the battlefield where he was supposed to be? See, the kings had went off to battle, but King David Stayed at home. It wasn't he was doing something wrong, it's what he wasn't doing when he fell to the temptation. And that caused him to do something wrong. He lost his focus. But let me say something else. He also lost his faithfulness. He lost his faithfulness. He lost his focus and he sat idle, but he lost his faithfulness and he became careless. He became careless. The things of God didn't mean as much to him anymore. Do you remember a time in your life? When you couldn't wait to get to service to hear what God had for you. Do you remember a time in your life as a child of God where your top priority was you serving the Lord day by day? Listen, whatever you could do for the kingdom of God, man, you were fired up and ready to do it, just ready to be a servant. Let me ask you something. Have you become careless? Have you lost your faithfulness? in serving the Lord and fulfilling the purpose God has saved you to fulfill. I feel like, I feel like that's exactly what happened to King David. I think he had gotten used to winning battles. I think he had gotten used to doing the work. I think he had gotten used to victory after victory after victory, and he took for granted what God was doing in his life, what God had done in his life, and he just expected he was just going to keep on winning. He got... Uh, careless and lost his faithfulness. He got idle and lost his focus. And folks, if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing. Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to the book of Proverbs. Let me read to you one verse there. Proverbs chapter number four. Proverbs chapter four and verse number 23. The Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence. Everybody say diligence. A person who is diligent remains focused. They remain focused on the task at hand. A person who remains diligent, listen to me now, remains faithful to the purpose they've been saved to fulfill. And so the Bible tells us, Proverbs 4.23, that we're to keep our heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life if you want to win in the issues of life i can promise you you've got to be diligent you've got to keep your focus you've got to stay faithful as the people of god we've got to realize that there is a danger in distractions there really is uh just a few weeks ago i was on my way to birmingham to um to a class down there i had a class for my work and on the way down there i got a call from my district engineer and he asked me to go by over in Jasper and check out a wreck that had just taken place. There was a wreck on Corridor X right before you going into, you was going into Jasper there. Uh, about that first exit that you came to going into Jasper. And there was a four car pile up. It was, a, it was a, a diesel truck, an 18 wheeler, and then three other cars. And so I went over to check that thing out and when I pulled up on the scene I could tell it was a terrible scene. And After I got out and started talking to some of the state troopers that were working the wreck, I found out what had happened. One of the young ladies that was involved in the wreck that actually caused the wreck was distracted while she was texting on her cell phone. She actually pulled over in front of an 18-wheeler that was coming through the right-hand lane. She was getting off on the exit there, being distracted with her cell phone in her hand. She pulled right out in front of him and uh, was killed instantly when that truck hit her. Distractions are dangerous to our physical well being. Can you say amen? But let me say something. Distractions are very dangerous to your spiritual well being. Be careful what you allow to distract you. And a lot of the things that distract us are not necessarily bad things, a lot of times they can be really good things. I'm amazed at how many people practice football and baseball and volleyball and basketball and cheerleading and everything else on the day of worship who even play games on the day of worship and folks I'm going to be honest with you I'm not against any of that stuff I grew up playing sports and I think sports are very beneficial to our young people I think it teaches them responsibility I think it teaches, gives them confidence I think there's a lot of good things that we could say about playing sports but let me tell you something when it comes to Sunday that's the Lord's Day and we've just made a decision in our home on Sunday. We're going to be in church. I don't think we we'll ought to let things of this world, even though they may be good things, distract us from being what God has saved us to be. And, and, and I, could, I could list several other things. I hear people talk about it all the time. Well, i tell you what, brothers. We had family come in, so you know, I, just, I really I couldn't come to church. Well, Let me tell you the best way, the best thing you can do, the best way you can spend time with your family, bring them to church with you. Bring them to church with you. And if they're just adamant about not coming to church, we say, hey, man, I'll be back in just a little bit. Make yourself at home. We'll eat dinner when we get home. I'm just saying, stand up and be faithful. Stand up and be counted as the people of God. Don't allow things to distract you from being what God has saved you to be. Man, it's time we take a stand. we fall to temptation, we fail to realize the danger of distraction. Let me tell you something else. When we fail to recognize the deceptive nature of sin, we certainly fall to temptation. In verse number 2, watch what happens. Look how this starts. It starts very innocently, really. And it came to pass in the evening tide that David arose from off his bed. And let me ask you something. What's this man doing laying up in the bed in the evening hours? There's a time that you are to get adequate rest and lay down and go to sleep but you don't need to be laying around all day this tells me David was eating the bread of idleness (laughs) he's laid up in the bed in the evening tide and watch what happens he arose from off his bed walked upon the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman everybody say he saw now what do you see with you see with your eyes In the book of 1 John, the Bible tells us what tempts our sinful nature. It's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And so right here, we see that in action. David, with his eyes, as he walked around on his roof, saw a woman bathing on her porch. Now, let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with David walking around on his roof. It's his roof. And I'm going to say this, there's nothing wrong with Bathsheba bathing at her house. It's her house. I don't think there was anything wrong with what happened when David walked up on the roof. It's just one of those things that took place. He happened to see something, and that first look I don't think was wrong. Let me tell you when it became wrong, the second look. Let me tell you when it became a distraction that brought about temptation when he began to dwell on what he had just saw. And we see how deceptive sin really is. Watch how it takes place. It says, first of all, he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. As he saw her for the first time, he began dwelling on what he saw. And then what happened? He then called for her to come to his place. Then the Bible says... And one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David, knowing uh, by the instruction of his servant that this is the wife of Uriah, the Bible says in verse 4 he sent messengers and took her, and she came into him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. Do you see how this took place? It started off as just an innocent thing that happened on the roof. Wasn't David's fault, wasn't her fault, it just happened. And, and, And listen, he began dwelling on what his eyes saw and before long, listen, the Bible's true when it says, as a man thinks, so is he. If you begin thinking on something long enough, it won't be long until you act on that. So you've got to guard your thought process. You've got to take every thought captive like we looked at last Sunday night. It's so very important that we control how and what we think. It costs David, and I'm telling you, it will cost us as well. Dr. David Jeremiah illustrates this the best that I've ever heard. He said, he asked the question in one of his sermons years ago. He said, has there ever been a time when uh, some thought that you know don't need to be in your mind pops in your head? And you wonder, where in the world did that come from? Has anybody ever had that happen to you? You ever experienced that? It may be at work. It may be in the church. it, It may be anywhere. And all of a sudden, something will pop in your mind. You think, man, where in the world did that come from? Well, I'll tell you where it comes from. I believe that's those fiery darts that Satan shoots into our mind that the Bible speaks of in Ephesians chapter 6. He, he, he puts that thought there. And then guess what? As long as we keep dwelling on that, it's going to change our action. Dr. Jeremiah said it like this. He said, I can't keep the birds from flying around my head any more than I can keep thoughts from popping into my head. He said, let me tell you what I can do. I can keep the birds from making a nest in my hair." And he's right. Let me tell you David's problem. A bird flew around his head, made a nest in his hair, and he didn't shoo it off. (laughs) He began dwelling on that, and it changed his action and caused him to fall to temptation. He didn't realize the deceptive nature of sin. I was reading this week in a commentary, my brother Chuck Swindoll. I love Chuck Swindoll, what a great preacher. Of the Word of God and he talk, he was talking about what sin does and he says sin is the product of three things watch this listen to me young people this will be helpful to you it's the product first of all of undetected weakness it's the product of unexpected opportunity and it's the product of an unprotected life when you don't detect your weakness When you don't, uh, when, when an unexpected opportunity arises and your life is not protected, that puts you in the right place at the right time to fall to temptation to that which pleases the flesh. That's exactly what happened with David. I believe at this moment David began to minimize his sin. Don't we do the same thing? I believe when he saw Bathsheba for the first time standing on his roof, he didn't think it was that big a deal. He minimized what he was doing. But in the process of him minimizing that sin of looking on another man's wife, lust set fire in his heart. Amen. Not only did he minimize his sin, let me tell you something else I believe he did. I believe he rationalized his sin. And when we get to the point where we rationalize sin, then I can promise you, That deceptive nature that sin has will absolutely destroy our lives. I believe David was thinking in his thought process he's the king and as the king he could have whatever woman he wanted and he began to rationalize what he was about to do. I believe David was thinking, I'm David. I'm the one who slew Goliath. I'm the one who's won these military victories. I'm the one who's did all these great things for God. Is it that bad of a thing what I'm fixing to do? And he minimized and rationalized himself the sin that he was thinking about committing. He minimized and rationalized it to the point that he fell to temptation. And we do the same exact thing if we're not careful when we fail to realize the danger of distraction, when we fail to recognize the deceptive nature of sin, we will surely fall to the temptation that appeals to our flesh. Jeremiah chapter 17. I want to share something with you there. and You can turn there if you choose. If not, that's okay. But it comes in verse number 9. While we were on the mission trip to Cuba in the airport at Miami, we were walking back through customs. And I saw this man with a shirt And on his shirt it said, listen to the wind, it speaks. And then at the bottom of his shirt it said, listen to the heart, it knows. Let me tell you what that is. That's hogwash. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. That don't even make any sense. It may sound good on a t-shirt, but it's absolutely wrong. Let me tell you why. You don't need to listen to your heart. You don't need to listen to what what feels good to you. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You've got to be careful about listening to your heart. You've got to be careful about making decisions that are emotion-based. You've got to be careful in not looking to the truth for the answers that you seek. And we find the truth in God's Word. Don't minimize your sin. Don't rationalize your sin. Don't listen to your heart. Realize the deceptive nature of sin. The last one I want to give you this evening, if we're going to fall to temptation, we fall to temptation when we fail to realize the direction sin is taking us. Most of the time when we choose to commit sin, we think we've got it under control. We see it as little sin here or maybe a little sin there. It's not that big of a deal because I'm not hurting anybody. If I'm hurting anybody, I might be hurting myself. I've heard that so many times. I can promise you, like we said this morning, the decisions and choices that you make, whether to please God or not please God, whether to follow God or not follow God, whether to be what God wants you to be or not be what God wants you to be, those decisions and choices you make directly affect and infect you, but they directly affect and infect those around you. And it did for David as well. The direction sin took David was a long way from being the man after God's own heart. Let's read together in 2 Samuel chapter number 11 verse number 4. And David sent messengers and took her and She came into him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. So uh, let's see the progression of sin here. First of all, he looked, and lust burned in his heart. Then he acted upon that lust and committed adultery with Bathsheba. Then watch what happens. She gets pregnant, it says in verse number 5. David knows he's in trouble. And the Bible says in verse 6, And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did, and how the people did, and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house, and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and went not down to his house. Let me me share with you what David's trying to do. He's trying to cover his tracks. See, Uriah's been out on the battlefield. He's been away from his wife for a very long time now. And so in King David's mind, he thinks, you know what, if I send Uriah down to his house and I cater the meal, I give him plenty to eat and plenty to drink, he's going to go in and have relationship with his wife. That's what he's thinking. But watch your eye. Watch what a good man this is. Look what he says, verse 10 when they had told David the saying, Uriah went not down into his house. David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not upon thy journey when thou didst not go down into thine house? And Uriah said unto David, Thou, Ark, and Israel, and Judah, abide in tents. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into mine house to eat and drink and lie with my wife? As thou livest, as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. So Uriah says, If all my men are out on the battlefield, fighting the battle, And they're out there going through all of the hardships that they're going through. And I'm back here. I'm not going to dishonor them by going in and doing what you want me to do. Do you see what a good man he is? What an honorable man he is? Let me tell you something. When we fall to temptation, when we choose to sin, it hurts good people. You arise a good man. But David's not done yet. He still tries to trick him. He still tries to cover up everything. He's still not coming clean. He's doing everything he can to cover up his sin. Verse 12. And David said to Uriah, Tarry ye here today also and tomorrow, and I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. Look what he says in verse 13. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him and made him drunk. And at even he went to lie in his own bed with his servants of his Lord, but went not down to his house. So David thinks, Well, surely if I get Uriah drunk, then he'll go down to his house and be with his wife, because he knew. A drunk man, his inhibitions are not what they need to be. Do you see what's happening here? And Uriah still don't do it. Verse 14, And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city and he signed Uriah into a place where he knew that the valiant men were. And the men of that city went out and fought with Joab. And there fell some of the people of the servants of David. And Uriah the Hittite died also. So get the picture. David writes a letter. And he gives it to Uriah. And he says, I want you to give this to Joab, the general of the army. And in the letter that Uriah brings to Joab is his death sentence. In the letter, David writes, I want you to put... Uh, Uriah in the hottest part of the battle right up next to the wall of the city because at the wall of the city is where most men died and he said when you get him up there and, and before he knows what's going on I want all of the men that's in that company to retreat from him so that he's all by himself and the Bible says Uriah died in the battle David failed to realize the direction sin was taking him it started with a look, then came adultery, then came murder, and he lied about all of it. Do you see the snowball nature of sin? Once it gets rolling, it's hard to stop it. I had a pastor years ago tell me. He said that sin will take you further than you ever want to go. It'll keep you longer than you ever want to stay, and it'll cost you more than you ever want to pay. And that's exactly what it did to David. If you go on and read in 2 Samuel chapter number 12, you're going to find that David was caught up with, that his sin was made known to all of Israel. And the Bible says that because of David's sin, a lot of terrible things happened in David's family. There's consequences to what we do. If you want to know how to fall to temptation, You forget about the danger of distraction. You forget about or or fail to realize the deceptive nature of sin. And you also forget the direction sin has taken you. That's what David did, and he failed. So let's learn from the life of David and be what God wants us to be. Let me tell you something good, though, before I close. God restored David at the end of his life. His sin brought consequence. It cost him greatly, cost his family greatly, cost the nation of Israel greatly. His sin not only affected him, but everybody around him. But at the end of his life, by God's grace, David was restored. Now, if you're here tonight and you fell into temptation, let me tell you something. The same grace of God that was available for David is available for you. And all you need to do is get your heart right with the Lord and get back on the same page with Him. You do that through confession. Now what is confession? Confession is more than just you admitting you've sinned. Confession is you coming into agreement with God about the sin you've committed. It's you realizing that it's your sin that's cost um, a great deal in what God wants to do in your life. It's you asking God to forgive you of the sin that's hindered your walk with Him. When you choose to do that, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Brother, would you come up and play for us just one song of invitation? I'm going to ask you to stand tonight. I don't know what the Lord has spoke to your heart. But if tonight there's something in your life that you know don't need to be there in the way of sin, hey, let's get it taken care of. God has a purpose and plan for you. That he wants to fulfill. But as long as we continually disobey him. He can't do that. So we must get on the same page. With the Lord. And so tonight. If you need to confess sin in your life. As a believer. I want you to come and do that. This invitation time is for you. If you're here tonight and you're not yet a believer, you hadn't yet trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, would tonight be the night that you trust in him? Whatever you need in this invitation time, you'll be closing this service. Brother, play for us, please.